Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. down this wall. Oh, the band is out on the field! He's gonna go into the end zone! And what you gonna do when Hulkamania? Say no to drugs. Eat my shorts. Children of all ages, mm. hello and welcome to the Bastards of Babylon podcast, episode number 46. Mm. 46 Longhorn, how are you doing tonight, buddy? What's going on? What's in the going world? on? Yeah, what is going on in the world? That's what I was. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, I just spend so much time working. Sometimes I check out, and by work, I mean just uh, you know sleep a lot kind of take, take, <laughs> take some naps um but uh yeah no like i don't know let's just jump right into it there's i wanted to talk tonight about um if, if we all remember the uh name abigail abigail schreier and if you don't remember abigail abigail schreier she's the one that wrote the book uh four years ago called um it was the trans book that that blew the lid on trans um son of a bitch i can't remember the name of it but i'll think of it in a minute uh, anyway she blew the the doors off the trans and what is and the the what it's doing to kids and all that and that kind of started that controversy and got parents notified and all that stuff well anyways she wrote a new book and this one is it's kind of controversial also in a different way uh I've, i haven't read all of it yet but i'm getting into it but it's called bad therapy and it's about it's about how this generation of kids they're, we already know they're over-medicated, and a lot of that comes from being sent to, you know, uh, therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists, and they're just getting over-therapied. Over and uh, every little problem that a kid has now at, at very young ages, parents are just sending them off to, um, to the therapist. Any little problem they have, like grandma dies, normal things. That, that kids have to deal with normal things they're they're um they're getting sent to there it's really interesting some of the things that, that she's gotten into um uh do you remember that louis ck bit where he's talking <clears throat> about the goldfish uh i think i remember something about that remind me <laughs> he's talking about you know kids they, they got a goldfish and the goldfish of course died and uh you know it's, it's, but it's good you know it's good for kids to experience that death and loss, he's like, it's like a warm up for grandma. Yeah. He's like, hey, you remember, uh, <clears throat> remember uh, Goldie? Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Well, grandma now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, it, you're. It's funny. You're laughing at that, but that's that's kind of like. Uh, I mean, that's a little bit what the what the book is about, and um, how these kids, you know, they just have that's and it's kind of and she goes into kind of it's their failure to launch. It's why it's why you have kids now that you know it's a new thing with kids now. It's hard for people our age to understand this, but they don't they don't want to get their driver's license when they turn sixteen. That's a lot true. of them don't. A lot of them don't want to leave the house when they, they like. These kids are they. They've been taught that every little problem they have, 
you've got to, you know, it's, it's a real, it's a real issue. Like every minor thing that's not even really a problem is a major problem. So, you know, as they become uh, approaching adults, they don't want to, cause they are scared to fucking death. Um, and the 2020 book, she wrote Ir- irreversible damage. It was about the, uh, you know, damage being caused to the, to the, to young kids, convincing them that they were, you know, maybe they were actually a woman, little girl trapped in a little boy's body. That's the one she wrote in 2020. They got a lot of flack. This one's going to get a lot of flack too. Like I said, in a different way, I think you're going to get massive push pushback from women in this, like, like dads, you know, like, like fathers, men, they're going to be like, yeah, I know. That's what I've been telling my dumb wife that shit all the time. Like when the kid falls down, you tell him to shake it off get up you're fine but you know it, it, that that's a metaphor but you know like like there's all kinds of things in life as you grow up yeah, where you so fall down and you got to get I up i don't think that they are i think that's the biggest part of the problem is this <clears throat> generation of parents these dudes have been completely emasculated and they're not saying that kind of shit because if they were saying it like our dads did then we wouldn't have this fucking problem but they well, let you their would... wife run the fucking roost and then so of course everything's a fuck. Whatever, whatever through her lens, that's it. Is what it is. And they're like, oh, whatever, honey, whatever you say, it's probably best. Blah blah blah. Can I please have some pussy? Yeah. Like, and this is whole generation of just emasculated men that are now raising these pussy ass kids, and they just bow down to whatever their fucking female. That may be says. true. <clears throat> that may be true, and that that might be a whole different. That's a whole different topic. Uh, that the men are actually being men and putting their foot down and, and letting these women. Of course they're not. If they were, it wouldn't be fucking happening. True. That's true. Or or maybe it's uh, maybe it's a combined effort. Who I, I don't. Who knows? But like um, it's the, the bottom line is that these kids aren't. They're just not growing up and being prepared for the real world, and, and it stems from at a very young age being a you know being just sent to therapy and and i'll review it when i want to get done with the whole thing but it's really interesting and um did you know that did you know that your pediatric your child pediatrician like your your doctor that you take your, your child to <clears throat> just a pediatrician not a therapist not a psychiatrist not trained in you know uh you know um mental medicines they can they'll they can prescribe and do prescribe Adderall for kids at a very very young age. They don't have to go to a special doctor. That it can just be your child pediatrician. You take them in to get your your standard you know yearly checkups. Uh, you know Johnny's having a hard time sitting still in in second grade math because he fucking hates it and he's a boy and he'd rather <laughs> and he'd rather be outside playing like he doesn't want to sit still for eight fucking hours at a desk. He's he's getting a little restless. Oh man, he probably has ADHD. Let's let let's try him on this. Let's get him started on this. Write a script, and then there you go. You're you're off to the races with um with this whole thing. So I just I think that these these kids are fucked. But you're right. I think it it probably um largely has to do with men not being men, be, taking the leadership role in the family. And um, <clears throat> I will say this: there is a part that she talks about the the difference between conservative and liberal kids and the way she explained it is and it's backed up with data so you know this is all data driven it's not just her opinion take that for data so we know that we know that in general women are more are more um, anxious and and more prone to depression than men oh. that's just that, that's just flat <laughs> that's flat across the board that's undeniable <laughs> but to but to your point about the strong men and the strong fathers it's funny because you take 
you take uh, knowing the fact that that little girls are going to be more prone to anxiety and depression, you take little girls or little boys from liberal households. So they're the they're a man, they're a little boy, but they're from a liberal household. They are actually more anxious and depressed and and uh, and on these um, drugs and, and going to therapy at a higher rate than girls of the same age from conservative families. So it's an interesting dynamic there that, you know, it, you know, it's uh, it, like you said, it's probably coming from how you're raised. I'm sure religion has a, has a, you know, a part to do with that because like, because why do people go to therapy? You're trying to find a purpose, trying to find a reason you're, you know, and, and you know, religion is not for everybody, but it does serve, you know, there's a reason it's so popular for entire, you know, mankind for throughout history is because it does give a, a purpose, a meaning, a direction, some structure. So, I, th- I just think that's pretty interesting that that the little boys, the little liberal boys are all fucked up even more than the little conservative girls who are you know naturally inclined to be more anxious and, and depressed in general. Well, think about the dynamic of what you just said. Like what makes, you know, generally a strong woman, right, is being raised by a strong father, a good father that's, you know, very rarely do we meet strippers that have great dads, <laughs> you know, that came never, help, you know. Yeah, yeah, my parents are still together. We're going over there. That's yeah, the I... 50th anniversary. Since I get to dance in here, I'm going to take these stilettos off and slip my slides on. We're going over for a pool party. Mom and dad's 50th is tonight. Yeah. I gotta. I, as soon as I leave the champagne room, I gotta. I gotta wash all the the, the spooge <laughs> off me. But I'm going straight to mom and dad's after that. I would not. I wouldn't uh, miss it. I yeah. wouldn't miss it. I told my manager, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if that's what makes you know a strong woman, stronger women, right? Is that strong male father figure? That's a stronger male father figure is going to come from a conservative household. In a liberal household, like I said, these dudes, I'm not saying they're, it's even all the woman's fault. They're, I mean, a lot of these, like that fucking pussy that we played poker with from Oregon, wherever the fuck he was from. You tell me that fucking dude is raising strong fucking kids with his fucking police? Fuck no. And I'm not going to blame his wife for that shit. That's his fucking problem. They're probably, in, his kids are probably in therapy for sure. Guaranteed fucking teeth they are. And he's just, he's the biggest part of the problem because he's the one pushing that bullshit. I don't even, we didn't even meet his wife, so I don't know what she believes in. Who fucking knows? But if yeah. he's a strong man, but has those beliefs and he rules the roost, well, guess what? You're raising little fucking liberal douchebags. They are going to be anxious. They are going to have all this fuck because you fucking force that thought process down their fucking throat. <clears throat> and kids don't know what they know except what they observe. That's it. I mean, that's all any of us know. I mean, obviously, when you get older and you have options to read and study and do independent thinking, and, you know, when you get a chance to live life for a while, you kind of see what works and what doesn't, and what's bullshit and what's not. But, you know, and that goes That takes religion. time, though. That yeah, takes that goes time. religion and everything else. But as you're molding these little kids, of course I can believe that a little boy from a liberal household, which most, you know, of those do have pussy ass dads that the mom rules the roost or <laughs> your little have, pussy dads or they have those fucking dudes like that asshole from Oregon that we played poker with and we kicked the shit out of him took all his money not that he needs it anyway he just wants to give it back to his socialist fucking state so you know really we did America a favor by taking the money out of his pocket and putting it in ours but 
Yeah, I believe that 100%. It falls right with the dynamic of what we already know about. And again, everything, nothing's a blanket statement. But in general, that's generally how those two households work. Now, there's plenty of fucking conservative dads out there that beat the shit out of their wives and their fucking kids. And they're terrible fucking, you know, people too. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying that. And, yeah. right, and that's, we do meet those ladies on the, on the strip pole too. So not saying that we have not met strippers that weren't raised by a fucking conservative dad. I promise you we have, but you know, he wasn't a good dude either. So. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, you know, obviously it's with it growing so much, you know, um, the 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 stats that she throws out in the data it it can't just be all liberals and like you said i know it's not blanket like you just said but you know i i know conservative raised families that are having kids that are that are having issues growing up so there's probably different levels to it um you know you know it's maybe it's not like oh they're just so fucked up because you know they they've got a a weak dad maybe they've got you know and also we we can't discount the factor of social media into this too these kids are getting handed you know these little cell phones they shouldn't be but they are and they're like the first generation that we've seen grow up with it and now we're starting to see how that's kind of falling out and we're gonna we're really gonna see you know like the downfall of this as they get older as they start to you know get married and have kids what what are they going to turn into because you know we have we're, we're a generation every generation is affected by the generation before they're affected by the generation before. So like my, my grandparents, I'm sure your grandparents, they were kids of the the great depression. And so like they, you know, like conserve everything that they're used to being without. And I know that they raised parents most of the time where everything was serious. There was no, you know, not a lot of talk of discussion and emotions around the table and I'm speaking for me in, in some of the stories that I've heard around people my same age. And that guy handed down from our parents to us in in kind of like eh, no emotions type of way. And then they went through the, you know, the, the 60s and, and the, um, you know, the the, the LSD and, and the, the free love and all that stuff. So every generation goes through these little like, you know, ups and downs and waves. And it'll be interesting to see what happens to this generation who grew up with this you know endless information instant porn in their hand from ages whatever you know some kids get handed these phones at five some at eight some at 12 everybody has different rules on how they do it but it's going to affect them because no matter what age you give it to them their brains aren't ready for it you know like like there's just no way yeah and the weird thing to me about this and the the driving thing hits home the most to me because that's the part that I can't fathom because, man, as soon as I turned 15 to get my learner's permit, I was fuck, I was like, fuck yeah, I was ready to take right. the test, got the shit. You know, I saved all my money from all my birthdays my whole life, put a down payment on a truck, went to work, got a truck. I mean, immediately, I got to get the fuck out of this goddamn house. Like, that was my only fucking mission in life between ages 15 and 16 was get the fuck out of this fucking house. Okay, so now then why do you think it's not now? Well, it's weird to me because thinking about what you just said through generations ago, like every generation has their point of rebellion, right? So like even, uh, you know, our grandparents' generation, 
yeah, they had the Great Depression and all that, but what did they come out of that or before that, you know, it was the Roaring Twenties, right? That was the big rebellion. It was jazz music. It was all this shit. Like, it was a big, huge uprising. And it's what brought on Prohibition because the country was losing. Oh, my God, all these women, they're smoking cigarettes. They're out dancing with Negroes. We can't have all this. Stop all the boot. Like, just, you know, Christian America went fucking nuts, as it always will. Brought on that shit. Right, so there was the rebellion era. Well, then you have the Great Depression, and then you got World War II. You don't have time to rebel when you got shit like that going on. So then after that, you know, like you said, everybody, that generation was raised hard, but then they came back and was so prosperous, there was no bad times. It was the 50s, right? It was fucking Cleavers. It was I Love Lucy. It's the golden age of television. Everybody had more than, Americans had more than they ever had ever in any time in our history up to that point. An mm -hmm. excess. Everybody had an excess. And what happened? The rebellion, right? Oh, my parents never told me I love me. Well, I'm going to do drugs, man. And I'm going to love everybody, man. And I'm going to hang out and smoke weed and do LSD and free love and you and everybody's cool. Like, that was the rebellion then. It was the fucking hippies. And then... Hey, well, CIA had a little help help to do with that. Like, well, the M there's, there's MK... There's always influence, influencing pushes here and there, but... I think that our government's learned that little by time, little by little, they had to try at some point figure out a way to stop sort of these rebellious. Like for our age, the rebellious age was, you know, uh, when grunge music came out. You know, that was, we fucking started wearing flannel, holy jeans, fucking everybody had a bad attitude, everybody's fucking depressed. You know, that was the whole rebellion from the fucking Reagan babies, which is in our intro for a reason. Just say no, say no to draw I me. Mean, we're doing fucking red ribbon, say no to. I was in kindergarten. They were telling me to say no to drugs. I'm like, what the fuck is drugs? They're teaching <laughs> about AIDS in the second grade. Yeah. I can't even spell AIDS in the second grade, much less let alone know what the fuck it was. I don't even know what fucking sex was. What are you talking about? AIDS? Sexually transmitted disease? What is sex? I don't even know that. So let's start with the fucking basics. But they went all, again. We always do this, ditch to ditch, ditch to ditch, always in society. We go from ditch to fucking ditch. So our rebellious age was like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to fuck as many people as I can. We're going to do as much drugs as humanly fucking possible. Because you told me to say no my whole life. Well, guess what? I'm saying yes to everything. And what's going to be what's going to be this kid, this generation's rebellion? That's what I'm trying to get to is like. Stay they, at home. They don't <laughs> seem to have a rebellious no thing, because i think the government's finally figured it out how to get them docile and and compliant and that is feeding them all this fucking shit all the time through ipads and iphones it's constant fucking stimulation in and of itself so they don't have to seek stimulation or satisfaction elsewhere i can get exactly <clears throat> what i want the programming i want that stimulates me right here if I choose to interact with people, I can talk with people right here that I don't really have to ever have to meet them. And if I don't like what they got to say, I can say, fuck you, or I can type in, go suck a dog's dick, or whatever. And there's no repercussions for that because it's all online. So nobody can beat me up. So I don't have to actually have to learn a lesson for being a little shithead. And then if I really get anxious about it or whatever, I tell my mom and dad, and they fucking medicate me. So I get to stay home and stay fucking medicated. I don't have to pay for nothing. The world seems stressful. Everybody's always complaining. All I ever see on social media is complain, 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 complain how bad life is. All the memes about adulting. Why would I want to do that? 
fuck all that. When they actually have it too good, and which is why all that's happening. So, like, all those generations you talked about before, there was actual real, you know, real, at each stage, there was real life bad shit that was going on around to where this one, there isn't. I mean, we had the pandemic. Which... No, no, not really. I mean, the generation that, like, our parents' generation, the baby boomers, they didn't have nothing bad. They were raised the baby the boomers? Great... Yeah, they were raised by the greatest generation ever. They had, like I said, they were the fucking Cleaver kids. It was a generation of excess. That's why they get to go fucking listen Wait, which, to Grateful What years Dead. are you talking about, just to be clear? Like, like when the baby boomers, which is our parents, they grew up and were teenagers, like, in the 60s. Well, there the was 70s. Vietnam. There was a draft that you could have gone drafted and sent to die. Yeah, I mean, if you were I mean, old enough, if you were old enough to land into that, for sure. I mean, yeah, and like Korean War was before that, so it just depends on what when when you're falling in in that category. But like, there's no wars. There hasn't been a war. There hasn't been like, I mean, since the '80s, really. Like when we had to go under our well, desk. I mean, Iraq was pretty real, dude. I had friends that went and served over there that are fucked. It, up it was life. real. It was real. If you. If you volunteer, but there wasn't, there was no draft. No, no, no. Yeah, and there was no threat. No. And there was no threat here on our on at home. There was nothing. There was no no threat at home. You have to go back to the eighties and the Cold War, where there was maybe an actual threat that could have hit here at home. Because, like, I mean, I mean, Iraq was it was a uh, uh, obviously yeah. For I mean, I, I love the military. Everybody knows that. So like, uh, it was for the people that that served and volunteered very real for them they're still dealing with with that um now but we kicked the shit out of them pretty quick like it was it was pretty i mean it was a it was a pretty you know awesome moment but but even that that was that was, that, the, that was the worst part no i'm talking about in 2000 when i graduated high school i had guys that signed up for uh <clears throat> the military or out of high school which there was no war going on then 9 11 happened Oh, so you're talking about post post 9-11. Okay, yeah. so that that was that. I mean, I guess Iraq was part of that, but it, that was more that was more like you know everywhere, everywhere. Like I, it was more just ISIS and and t- getting them wherever they were all over you know that that region of the world. But and that would and, fuck those kids up because well, we stayed know, in Afghanistan. We stayed over there for twenty years, so I mean, like that's and it was you know. constant. Like it was because that's what they you know I've listened listen to a lot of vietnam vets talk about you know what was most fucked up about that it was just the guerrilla warfare part of it there was no open mm. field you're over there we're over here let's kill them they're gonna try to kill us let's go you know on two ready break it was at any moment in time somebody's gonna get blown the fuck up by landmine somebody's yeah. gonna get fucking there's mortar dropped on it and that's how that was i mean you've seen the fucking movie american sniper that dudes live in constant <clears throat> paranoia and fear trying to tour all those buildings and clear those fucking cities building by building by building at any fucking time, at mm-hmm. any moment, it could be your last breath. And those kids live with that every fucking day. That's you know, that, mental war. That's fucking, that's the shit that fucks you up. There's a part in that book actually about that too. Uh, and there is, she talks to Navy SEALs about, you know, anxiety and, and PTSD as they come back come back from um you know the serving and it's weird because navy seals on average are way way less ptsd than your than your just average serviceman who is who has uh been deployed and and been in hot zones and the reason that the the navy seals will explain it is because like a navy seal or or a ranger or all the all the elite forces you know they they come in with a mission 
They go, they know exactly when they're going, they go in, they do the mission, and they get out. Now, it's some of the more, you know, uh, it's some of the riskiest stuff you can ever do, but it's bang, 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 and you're out. So, and then they say that the, like you said, people are doing like just regular sweeps, or they're just manning a position that's right on the outskirts of, you know, where the enemy is is across the line. At any point, anything can happen, and, and it likely won't, but that just daily, like, waiting, like, like false sense of security, he, they say that that's the worst, whereas doing a mission where you're likelihood of dying is probably maybe 50 50 or whatever it can be it's very you know intense and and dangerous mission but it's a mission you go you're out and and it's over so it's it's way less time to like get that mental um you're just in your mind that that can cause that anxiety and long-term depression and ptsd so i thought that was interesting yeah i had a cousin that actually went over uh and i I shouldn't have said i arrived sorry i meant afghanistan for the post 9-11 but he went over there just as a citizen to, he was a truck driver here and they were offering, I mean, I don't want to say how much it, it was in six heavy six figures to go over there and drive those supply trucks yeah. for the military. And he went over there to do that. And he did two tours of it. And, you know, he was surrounded at all times when they're driving by tanks and, you know, heavy artillery and all that shit, Humvees, not tank Humvees, like surrounded constantly because they those trucks get bombed all the time Mm -hmm. so he knew in any run the mortars were fucking coming i mean can you just imagine that like i mean it it probably happens on on average so rare but when you're behind that wheel like i mean that's not you're not thinking oh god like i mean this it's very unlikely to happen you're thinking oh i i heard about a guy two months ago driving a truck blown up like i mean that's that's what that does to the human brain it's, it's unbelievable yeah, I mean, you have no control. You're just you're driving the truck. You're hoping that everybody around you, with all the guns and artillery, can fend off whatever's coming. Mm-hmm. You hope, you know, but it is. So, what it so is. back to back to this generation, like you know, with nothing outside of the people that you know that that obviously served. There's there's no um, there's nothing that looks like they're going to have to worry about. If there's nothing to worry about, and like you said, you've got everything at your fingertips. You can just plug in, be distracted. Most people, you know, uh, you know, uh, most people are in the middle class in, in this country. And then even the people that are, you know, under lower middle class, they they still have TVs, they have internet, they have cell phones. Like like our level of the level of like poverty in this in this country, it's living relatively high on the hog in a lot of other places around the world you know if if you consider their poverty level versus our poverty level so like what exactly i mean they got no worries man why would they ever leave and just go pick up my adderall mom go pick up my uh my my antidepressants hop me up and i'm and i'm good why do i need to drive i'm not going anywhere i'm good right here boss i know it 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 really is amazing so that's why i'm like i'm wondering so I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's like the, and I know I've talked about on this here before, which again, I don't care what young people do. You know, every generation has their thing. We had ours, but you know, all these girls putting shit in their face and you know, that kind of stuff. I don't know if that's like the rebellious thing to put the fucking ring through your nose. Like that's your big rebellion 
maybe it is. Maybe that's kind of their way. I mean, I think the trends and the the spectrum. I think the the flag, the spectrum flag, not not autism, the fucking the rainbow flag. I think that's the <laughs> I think that's the rebellion, man. I think I think theirs is like. We, how is that rebellious when it's celebrated? That's not even a rebellion. Well, it's starting to be celebrated now, but they. I mean, it, when is it not? I mean, over the last five years, it's been celebrated for sure. At yeah, least but, the last three or four. Yeah, because they made it that way. And if you and if you ask them, so, I mean, that's not a rebellion anymore. Well, no, we know that they're celebrated. We know that they actually have privileges. But if you ask them, if you listen to these people that go to these parades, I mean, they think they're the most oppressed. They think they're attacked. They think they get, I mean, so they, they don't think that way. We know it's true. Yeah, but they, they, don't think... they must have like the Mike Tomlin of gays <laughs> that rev them up before these, like, no matter what, he's got them convinced that they are the fucking underdog. No matter how many points they're laying mm -hmm. to the fucking oh, opposition, yeah. They swear to God, they are two touchdown dogs. Every fucking, you're literally having a goddamn parade. A parade. When is the last time that anybody in any society, anywhere in the world, was an oppressed person that got to have a fucking parade? <laughs> the KKK? They, 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 let, they let Super Bowl champions do that. That's they let the K they let the KKK have parades. It's more like a walk. Not... I, don't, I don't know that I've seen that in a long time. No, I haven't either. I, you know how I feel about that. I don't. I, you I don't know think what that they really... don't do? They don't. Even if they did still have that, they don't televise that on fucking shit on a. I mean, Thanksgiving they, Day. If they can get a group of more than two or three white people chanting anything anti no, I mean, anything. like they don't have like a host there's no like macy's day kkk parade. oh no it's a couple <laughs> guys in tank tops couple there's... guys in tank tops with bad haircuts just just chanting nonsense yeah. you're not getting uh i don't remember even who hosts that shit anymore but like you're not getting dick clark to fucking host like the oh we're here covering the kkk for it like no but they're fucking putting that shit on all the primaries uh, here comes the beautiful swastika balloon that's look at that they went with the red and they went with the red and black this year uh that's, that's <laughs> oh my god that would be so fucking funny <laughs> Coming around the corner of that giant fucking Macy's building, you see a big fucking swastika. There's a Hitler float. Just oh. there. We're gonna we're gonna go to commercial, guys. Uh, you probably figured it out. This is the swastika uh, part of the parade, but right behind them, don't worry. We're back to the trannies and the um, the uh, the the gays, and they'll be walking around with fucking dildo hats and and here uh, comes the Goebbels float. He's coming by. His propaganda coming out. That's always classy. <laughs> oh I my mean, god! It's uh, that would be that would be the highest rated Macy's Day parade of all time. So <laughs> I'm just saying, if you like ratings, let's <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe look into that. But. Yeah, I don't know. With this generation, what are you going to do? I mean, but, like, I mean, that's my whole point. It's like, how can you say you're oppressed when they're letting you have parades? They let you have because the a oppression month. is you the have, gig. You get a whole week. At, you get a whole week at Disney World. The whole the, week. the victim is is the currency. They know that, so you got to play up what your currency is. So they they do. Yeah, but 
I gotta think that currency is going through like it's like it's inflated. Fuck, no, it's the like currency is inflated. I mean, it's fucking got to be crashing through the floor <laughs> at this point. It's like some of these fucking uh, uh, crypto coins or whatever the fuck that, you know, maybe start off good and they're gone. Like it's worth nothing. Like that currency is worth nothing. So go and read Abigail, Abigail Schreier's book, Bad Therapy. And if you haven't read um, her other one on the on the trans, um, then get that too. But we've talked, I mean, that, that's four years ago. And I think... I think everybody's hip to the trans, the trans game at this point. But yeah, this one, I'm interested to see how this one reviews because I think it's gonna hit, you know, families. It, it, it's gonna be a punch to the mouth to some families on, you know, this whole therapy generation that we're in. Like everybody go to therapy, 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 and like, you know, therapies. Therapy can be good. Therapy's there. For if you really, really need it, like if, if it's getting to the point where you literally cannot get over something, something bad. OK, yeah, go get therapy. Maybe go get some 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 short term drugs to, to get you over the hump. But like this is just too much. In my opinion, I agree with her. I think it's just way too much. There's too much therapy in this world. And um, sometimes a little just get over it. You're not going to die is all you need. Like learn to deal with it and move on. Yeah, I think therapy is another one of those things just best reserved for adults. Like, you know, right. probably, yeah. probably not every adult that goes to therapy really needs to. But, like, if you're an adult and you're paying for it and and, and it helps you, it helps yeah, you be a better person, helps you be a better dad, helps you be a and better mom. Just to be clear, this this book is it's about the kids and therapy. She, yeah, she's yeah, very, yeah. yeah, just to be clear. No, I know you're not anti-therapy. I'm just kind of restating that, that, like, if it helps you as an adult be a better person, then by all, whatever you have to do, then do it. If, if going to church helps you be a better person, go to church. If not going to church helps you be a better person, then don't go to fucking church. Like, yeah. whatever helps you be better to other people, just do that. Just and, do and one... And one of the thesis of this book that 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 she wanted to write it is because what she found is that the therapy is leading to it's not helping. It's it's like these kids are getting worse. They're becoming lifelong patients and, and they're not getting better. And what she's finding is that it's leading to more. The therapists are just are um, they're digging into things and they're creating more problems, in her opinion, backed up by data, that than they are solving. Um, and wait, wait, you know, wait. You mean the people that you pay money to, exactly. to talk about problems? Exactly. Create more problems so you uh-huh. have to keep coming back and talk to them and paying them more money? Exactly. And what, what? and what she's what she says is is that like when you have real like schizophrenics, okay, that's a real thing. That's something that they that's, need. That's debatable. Well, whatever. We can we we at least can agree that there's something wrong with them, obviously. They're not they're off in some sort of way, whether it's whether it's mentally, there's a chemical imbalance, there's something there that we can agree, right? Mm, I would okay. not I would not say it's universal. A lot of those because schizophrenia got really big in like the late 70s and early 80s as a clinical diagnosis. And a lot of those case studies have went back and been revisited. Those people have too. And like 90% of them have admit they made all that bullshit up. Okay. Well, there okay, there's I'm not saying all, that it's not a thing, we've seen so then we've it, seen but it's very it's like anything else. It got it became a trend. They got overprescribed, and people just started falling into that as an excuse. 
It's like it's literally like every other. I mean, dude, we're human. We've we also seen shit. Over but we've also over seen over again. We've also seen homeless people talking to people who aren't there. They have nothing to gain from that. Like there's there's clearly yeah. There's, I'm not saying it's not a real thing. I'm just yeah. saying that it is not the thing that it once was thought to be. Okay. Um, I don't know. You totally derailed. I don't even remember where I was going with that. What was I saying? Like, like real, real problem. Uh, I don't even know. There are, there are, there are kids with real mental problems. There, I mean, you know, there are kids that have breaks early on way earlier than they really should from their psyche. It does happen. I'm not saying that, you know, that that doesn't happen. Obviously it does. But again, it's not, it's just, it's just like the fucking, all you have to do is follow the math. It's just like the gay movement. Like we didn't go from 10% of society being, you know, gay at some, whatever, I don't care what fucking letter you are, 10% being a letter to now like this generation, 40% of kids under 16 are now like some letter. That That's not real. Yeah. That's and it's, it's just, and that's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Um, I remember I was going to say, so yeah, so skip. So I was, if well, at whatever level we recognize that some people have certain issues, um, the, the psychiatrist and the psychologist and a the therapist, they don't necessarily want that kind of client because that kind of client is that's real fucking work. It's, not only is it real hard work and, and it can be dangerous because sometimes these people are, are, can be violent. It's also, it's pretty quickly diagnosed in one direction or another and you're either sent to a hospital you're sent you know you get put on drugs the lifelong patient of a six-year-old that comes in because he's having a hard time dealing with 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 um, a divorce or, or you know just whatever random exam that's a lifelong client of just talking uh, we're gonna we're gonna go in every week we're gonna talk to therapists it could go for 14 12 14 years of I just go and talk to my therapist so that I can have, you know, that it just, it keeps my mental balance. Like, and the more you talk to someone like that, they're going to keep digging in and digging in. And more you dig in by a relative stranger, these aren't, these aren't people that know you like it's, it can lead to more problems. And um, I remember listening to Jordan Peterson one time um, and he talked about, cause you know, he, there's a debate also with, with the, um, the over, over drugging of people like like the drugs like, like the Adderall and the antidepressants and all these things there's 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 a debate there too about like do these people really need it are we over are we overdosing you know I mean, these our people... parents are responsible for the biggest opioid crisis in the history of this fucking country so I mean so so yeah you, you communication and talking about it is, and and that's how that's how we get to like if we find out if we're doing it right or wrong but I remember I remember Jordan Peterson talking about you know the point of therapy is to it, it is to have your subject, your client, figure out on on his own through your kind of nudging and and kind of molding through conversation what his problem is on his own. So you're kind of like you're directing conversation, you're molding, you're asking questions about what he's going through or what they're going through. You're digging in, and you're How and does as that make you feel. Well, there's this, but, but the, the conclusion is you want your client to figure out his own problem on his, he thinks it's on its own 
he thinks he came to it on his own, but it was through some nudging from from a good therapist. That way, that way he can he's learned on his own. That you know the way he explained it is like I can tell you know Jordan Peterson, you know he's seen a million clients, he's seen a million problems, he knows the answers like that. But what he said is I can't just tell someone go home and do this with your wife or go to your job if you're having problems with your job, go do this with your job and your boss. I can immediately fix all those problems, but you learned nothing. So going forward, you're you're just always going to come to me to come. I I fixed your problem with your marriage, that one problem. I fixed your problem with that one uh, issue at your work. I need you to learn on your own through you know uh, conversation on what is it that's going on, and, and you need to figure out how you fix it on your own. Because then, if you can fix that one problem, you know how to take that through future problems. So a a good therapist still is is amazing. It can be amazing, but. Um, you know these these uh these hacks that we have now in the in the therapy and the in the drug, and and the pharmaceuticals are a big problem, big part of this too. You know, like the the more candy they can hand out to these kids and get them hooked, they become lifelong patients as well. So pick up the book; it's it's going to be a good one. I mean, that's that's really just that comes back to you know a, a general principle of leadership and really just the human psyche. You know, a good leader or a good boss knows the pro knows the solution to the problem. Yet he'll gather his you know people underneath him and say, "Hey, here's a problem. Who's got some ideas? Here's here here's our problem. Here's our this is our end goal is this. How do we get from A to B? You already know what the answer is, but you want them to say it. Yeah. Because if they come up <clears> with the solution <throat> again, you have to nudge them. You have because sometimes they start throwing off ideas. You're like, God damn it. You're thinking, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about right now? But you just let them talk. You're like, you know, that's not bad. Uh, but what about, what about, uh, what about this though? What, what if we went, what yeah. if this happens? And then somebody, and then eventually you fucking get that ping pong ball right in the fucking center where you wanted it the whole time. But they come up with your solution that you know will work, but because they came up with it, now they're bought in, they're invested because now it's their idea and they'll make sure it gets executed. So it's the same fucking psyche is just like, if the person figures out their problem themselves, well, I figured this problem out myself. So now I'm invested in the solution. If you fucking tell me what my problem is, maybe I fucking go try to fix it. Maybe I say, ah, you know what? Longhorn don't know what the fuck he's talking about. He can go fuck himself. I don't have that fucking problem. They can easily reject somebody else's you know, evaluation of them. But if you yeah. lead them to evaluate themselves, even though you know what the problem is, you get them to say it out of their mouth, then they're invested in it because they've figured out their problem. So now they can go fix their problem. You've given them all the power back mentally. So it's a good, it's a good, I won't call it a trick. It's not a trick. It's just a, it's a psychiatric like ploy to get people to buy into an idea that you know or solution you know will work, you know it is the solution. But again, if you're handing out solutions, you're gonna get 50% buy-in, like take it back to the business world. If I got a team of 10 people that say, hey, we gotta go from A to B, here's what we do to do it. Of those 10 people, I'll get five to buy in and execute. And of those five people that wanna buy and execute, I only really have three of those that are talented enough to actually fucking do it. So now I've got two fucking retards trying to execute my plan that can't fucking do it. I got three guys that can, but three out of 10 ain't good enough to get it actually done. 
And the other five are saying, you know what? Bo can go fuck himself. He has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. I think we should have done that. And we're going to watch, stand back and watch this fails. When it fails, we're like, see, told you, we should have done this. And that's just how that fucking works. So yeah. you have to let them come up with the solution that you wanted them to the whole fucking time. Yep. I, I agree with that. And, and um, I just, I, you know, <laughs> These these kids that are having a failure to launch and uh, failure to grow up. If um, if we get four more years of Joe Biden, there might be some serious growing up that's going to have to go on over the next four years following that, because you might get drafted into uh, some sort of service at that point, which, you know, um, you know that you still have to register when you turn 18 and you're a male or is it? Do the females? I don't think the females have to, but the males have to register for. Yeah, you know, you've always had to do that. Yeah, so you know, hey, kids, it can happen. Okay, that's the reason you fill up that form when you turn eighteen because they got your information. We we got your number. We know where you live. We got your papers. Got your papers. Yeah, if if the shit hits the fan and we end up with boots on the ground all over the fucking world, then um, guess who they're calling? They're not calling me and you. For a couple 40-year-old dudes. They're, they're calling you 18-year-old lads. They can call me and I'll say, wrong number. <laughs> oh, shit. And call me, strap me up. I'm fucking, I'm going to go get me some, get me wrong some. Wrong number, motherfucker. <laughs> go get some. Get some. That's what, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, well, I don't want to get into the Biden thing I want to talk about. We don't have enough time left tonight. But um... What you got? We did talk about church a couple times, so this time of year is actually my favorite time to go to church because it's Lent. I am Catholic, and we do the... I'm not a big fan of the music in church, just not... Um, not your church, fuck no. No, not any church. Not I any like church. my church's music, but... No, I, I'm just not a you big don't like, fan like, of... You don't like, like worship gospel type? Like... Nah, everybody can just shut the fuck up. Nah, I love it. Uh, All right. <laughs> but right about now, you know, we cut down on the music and we do a lot of the old Latin uh, chanting, which is like, that's one of my favorite things. It's real somber. And it, I don't know, to me, it just kind of, it hits harder to me for whatever reason, but that's just me. But I was in church last Saturday and, you know, it's been real fucking hot, uh, a little yeah. early here uh so far this year and dude it was so fucking hot in there and i'm just thinking the whole time like did did everybody not tied can jesus not pay the ac bill can we not fix whatever the fucking timer is on in this i mean we're all in here sweating nuts they didn't have the ac on fuck no it's so fucking hot I'm like dude why why and if you ever notice that, like in church, like they're not hip to the season changes. Like they, they're way too late to put on the fucking heater or they're way too late to put on the fucking AC. I swear to God, like every Easter, there's some old lady falling the fuck out in church because it's too fucking hot in there. I think that's just your church. I think when they bring out, I think when they bring the rattlesnakes out and, and they start doing the, the, the hymn that's, in the hall. That's your church. <laughs> That's you heathen Protestant uh, I think people start sweating when the snakes come out. And it's not really the temperature. It's more like, what the fuck? Are we, are we chopping chickens' heads? They, we, they got to fucking turn the AC down at your church. Everybody's <laughs> too busy dancing and rolling around in the aisles and fucking 
slinging snakes and speaking in tongues and all that shit you fucking heathen protestants do jesus yeah. it's way too much activity it's too much somebody activity. somebody pushed me on the forehead so i can fall out <laughs> <laughs> oh my god dude all those videos all those people like dancing like oh and, my and god the, it's so great man and look it, i don't begrudge that... anybody how you worship i don't care i'm just busting balls but that's but, fake now all that shit's fake though i mean it's real to them you think it's real to the pastor who's doing it? I mean, I think it is. In I the don't moment. think so. I don't look there. There is, we just happen to live or, you know, I do, I do more than you in a very close proximity to one of those, um, Joel, not Joel Osteen, but there's another one that's, that's real close to me. That's, that's nationally known. Jesus well, wants you to have the popsicles. He, well, he said Jesus wanted him to have that G5 airplane. That, there's Jesus a clip wants, of, look, Jesus wants to have the new G35 airplane. Okay, and he me. fucking bought it from a from like a who do you say he bought, he bought it from like a rapper or some some famous he bought it from a famous guy. He said and he said he got a great deal on it, and the church got a great <laughs> deal on it. And uh, he's Jesus such a nice got a guy. Discount. <laughs> uh, so I swear to God, I'm not even like we. I live probably 15 minutes from one of the most mega, and it's a compound. And you, it's when you. Like, like if you deliver there or anything, you're going into like a territory. It's like, it feels military-ish and it's huge. Anyway, he's a national, um, uh, you know, on T he does, you know, broadcasts on TV in front of a camera, like kind of like we are right now doing, doing, talking to, to people all around the world. I mean, he's one of these guys right around me. And um, he, that guy, he's, he's a snake he he's a he's a just just the worst well, yeah. part of it and so so and like i've seen videos of him doing some of that bullshit maybe the people he's doing it to maybe they really do believe i i mean i i guess there's a if you if i don't know if you feel I the think spirit it, yeah i think in the moment your mind can convince you anything is fucking real like in the moment so in the moment yeah Obviously, that's but all that guy that that's walking around doing the touching shit. He that dude's so full of bullshit. Did you ever see that movie with Steve Martin? Was that was the traveling pastor like that? Mm -hmm. I don't think oh so. Oh my god, I can't remember the name of it. It was fucking great though. He so his whole bit was uh, he traveled around the whole country. He was famous, you know, this famous pastor. And he had these huge revivals and these big tents, and then the whole town would come out, you know, when he came to your town. And he, I mean, preached in front of, you know, the entire town, thousands of people. Leap he, of faith. Yes. Oh, so fucking <laughs> great. So they played all these games. 1992. Have, oh, oh such God. a great movie. They played all these games. So they'd have, like, words. They'd make bets, like, okay, here's my word. And they're like, you got to work this word in the sermon. This word. So everybody gets to put a word. <laughs> and he had and that ridiculous shit. And he had to find a way to work all these words oh into my the God. sermon. Or he owed money. I not seen this? I don't know how you didn't see it, but it's great. I mean, when he's, like, doing the praise thing, it shows him, like, groping women's asses. Oh, my like, God. Oh, praise Jesus. He's got a hand here, and he's got a hand on the ass. He squeezes him. He's like, oh, Jesus is with you. He's with me, too. <laughs> It says it's based on true events. Is that is that true? I, I mean, no I, well, I mean, like we like we just talked about. There's there's lots I mean, yeah, of yeah, those those real yeah. Those, yeah, there's I lots mean, of I guess those you guys. Can say that. <clears throat> yeah, it's so great. It's a whole travel production. He's got a production team behind him. They're talking in his ear the whole time. I mean, you and I've done the the live like TV and radio shit. 
You got somebody in your fucking ear. There's like, all right, you got uh, row three, uh, seat six, Mary. Mary's got this. He's like, I'm feeling Mary, Mary. Is this Mary? Mary. Oh my yeah, god. Your husband just left because they would get like these. You fill out information cards. Yeah. So they'd get they'd pile these shits wow. together and they'd go through them and then they'd have they'd read names out to him as he's going through, and he's just pulling people out of the crowd. He's like, Mary, you're having a good hard time. Your husband left you. Is that right? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And blah blah. And like, he's just spitting all this bullshit to him. That's and funny. Like, oh, dude, it's that movie is fucking greatness. I'll have to look that up. But that reminds me, like, I want to, you know, that you know, uh, um, it's a good time to plug what we're doing at the draft. We're we're going to be doing some uh, kind of freelance healing. Not heal. Well, I mean, who knows? We, we might heal. I don't know. We're we're gonna need some healing after the first night. I can <laughs> I can tell you that. Joe Lowstein, gonna... I'm on Jesus said he needs to fly that G thirty five Detroit, get rid of this headache. <laughs> you know, sometimes the videos pop up. Uh I'll just be like scrolling through uh like you know, videos I'm watching online and sometimes like some of ours will pop up from from the draft we did in Kansas City and I just like you know, I'll go from listening to other people and then you know, sometimes when you when you hear your own voice We've, we've been talking on camera and, and doing podcasts for so long. It doesn't bother me. But when one of those videos pops up from Kansas City and it's from later in the night, I sound completely different when four or five when hours. Hammered? Of, oh, my God. <laughs> and I'll just I'll instantly hear my voice. And I'm like, oh. like, whoa, that guy's oh. hammered. Oh, shit, that's <laughs> me. I'm like, oh, wow, that is not how you sound. But uh, but yeah, but what I was going to say is like, uh, I thought about doing, you know, since we're going to be doing some, you know, freelance reporting when we go on these trips and stuff and just just, you know, bring us some content to the to 105.3, the fan uh, sports station in Dallas. I want to get some sort of, <clears throat> you know, not necessarily like a hidden camera. But some sort of like something that you could that we can put on our body, on our person. That's not, you know, like so you're not holding a camera or something like that. Uh, so that you know you could either secretly, secretly video some. So I, what I was thinking about is like going to like like I said, I live real close to that mega church. Well, that church is open to the public. So I would hope it, so. <laughs> yeah, they. <laughs> so, but I've I've always been kind of. I've always wanted to go there, but Unless you're a Jew. But I've yeah. <laughs> what if I go in and I and I and I claim that I'm Jewish? Because you know that someone uh, talks to you. Wear a yarmulke in there. No, I won't do that. I won't go there because because then I'll get just get kicked out probably. So, but like, but what if I go in? Because you know, at a place like that, I would assume that you're gonna be an outsider, and there's gonna they have a team of people that come and like like hey, you know, do you want to come join? Like, do you want to come be? Like I'm be a member, or whatever. And then if I oh, have the camera, yeah. But then if I have the camera on that they can't see, it becomes like a like it, I could you know I could go along with them, you know, kind of fuck with them a little bit. However the conversation goes, and if it, it could be good content, then maybe maybe we could play it. I don't know exactly the rules on that. Yeah, I'd be se. careful on that one. I know I, there's there's some every state's different too, so you know you gotta you gotta look into that, but. um you know, at a place like that, that's under that much scrutiny, it it can be. Um, it just, I'm, I'm curious. So, uh, anyways, long story short, I want to get uh, some some sort of uh, technology where we can get some cameras that, um, you know, like a police cam. You know, you know, it's just something like that that can that can record and um, uh, we can we can be more more proactive with something like that. And you know, maybe we get maybe I get maybe I get 
abducted and put into a uh, into a snake a snake church and i don't know we'll see how it goes but uh it sure as hell would be fun and i just want i would love i'd be like hey i have been watching this preacher heal people forever i may or may not have monkeypox or they they can't they haven't really identified it i'm just curious if you're, uh, you're guy, trying to get some healing huh i need him to heal my my dick is full of monkeypox. Okay, I not I need I just can he touch it? Can he touch my dick and and cure it of all the pox? I don't know. So I think it'd be funny and and, and just do a complete deadpan and like I'm dead. That was serious. my next question. Is like, what would you play? Would you go along with it? Or would you just be like, I don't oh. do nothing, bro. No, straight deadpan. Like, oh I, my god, you suck the whole. You suck the life out of five thousand people. <laughs> The choir is going, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And the lawnmower's yeah. like, nah, I ain't feeling it. <laughs> I actually need you to touch it harder. Faster, <laughs> longer strokes. I don't know. It's not working. <laughs> Cup the hey. balls, Pastor. Actually, that little that little one over there in the robe, I think she needs a touch. I think she's got the touch, not necessarily you. You're not, you're not doing it for me. <laughs> Oh man! Oh my God! Yeah, that would be a that'd be fucking. I don't know why like Jackass didn't do some shit like that. That would have been fucking great. Yeah, they they probably could have, but but theirs was they had a production though. Like theirs, they had like multiple camera views and angles going all over the place for for the most part. From what from what I saw, yeah. but they ever they ever I don't remember them ever doing like a single single shot hidden camera type thing. Like even when he did his uh like the grandpa thing where he was like fooling people, like they would have multiple cameras pre-set up for something like that. Yeah, they were like across the street and stuff and like zoomed, yeah. you know, <clears throat> zoomed in so people really couldn't tell it was a production crew going on because there's plenty of times they had to like run over there like, hey, this is for a movie <laughs> or this is for a TV show. Yeah. Like, don't kick his ass, please. I guess you'll have to come with me with your own camera from a different view and uh, you know you have to. We shoot shoot from a different angle. So, anyways, like, so what's up with your with your church? Like, what's what's the deal here? You you're it's too hot to go to church now. No, nah, I mean it'd be fine. And just I I was just sitting there thinking, like, golly, like, how can you not get the fact that it's eighty five? I know it's February, but it's eighty five fucking degrees outside. Let's get some fucking AC going on. I know there's plenty of money around this joint. All right, mm-hmm. so let's fucking. I know what y'all make. Yeah, I mean, we all we all donate to it, so it's it's right there. Um, I I don't know. This is one of those things I was thinking about. Like, it's just so annoying that they just cannot fucking figure the temperature out. And you know, I, who does? I don't know. I know they have it set on whatever, like like any of our houses, like set on seasonal programs or whatever. But you know, sometimes you gotta hit the old fucking override button there. I don't have mine set on a seasonal. I just turn it. Like, well, I mean, I don't have it set on seasonal, but like if you if you put heat, like I got the nest. So if you put heat on downstairs and upstairs, I've got it set on timers for like it to be a certain temperature between certain hours and certain temperature between certain hours. And same way with the cool, so that I'm not wasting energy when nobody's at home or whatever. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna run the heat while we're sleeping. So it's like, you know, at night. Even on heat, it goes down to 65, so it's nice and cool. Everybody can sleep, you know. But 
when you're you know up moving around i like to be like 70 when it's cold outside you know yeah i see what you're saying so like no one's even no one's really but how are they not getting hot i mean i don't know they're wearing all those fuck they're wearing the fucking he's up there cassocks. wearing all those fucking robes and yeah. fucking yeah you got your cassocks on you got your robes on. i know those altar boys are sweating their nuts off up there mm -hmm. i've been there and fucking done that i mean one of them should be saying something i think i think the preacher likes them sweaty if you know what i mean <laughs> No, 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 that's not it. That's not it. But All right, I got one more thing I didn't want to bring up because it is <clears throat> topical because it just happened. I don't know. I know you're a big listener of the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. I don't listen a lot, but I did listen to the one he had this week. You know, he had Billy Walters on. I did. And I listened to it. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, it's uh Billy Walters can talk. I mean, I can, I can tell you that like that boy can hold a fucking podium. I mean, I think there was one point he talked for like 45 minutes straight going over his amazing. And for people that don't know, Billy Walters is probably the most famous sports better of all time. Not, not probably. He is the most famous and successful sports handicapper better of all time and got wrapped up into some legal issues with some, you know, quote-unquote insider trading that he went to actual jail for for 31 months. And um, when he was telling the story <clears throat> the story about that, and I had heard bits and pieces of it, but obviously not the detail that he went into on the Joe Rogan podcast, which is what's so awesome about the, that long-form media. I got to get his book, man. The, yeah, well, yeah, because to get more of the Phil Mickelson angle of it and all that. So that's that was fascinating to me because I had heard through the grapevine, and I'm not going to mention names, but you probably know who I'm talking about, mm -hmm. that Phil was probably going to be in some serious fucking trouble pretty soon. And it, it's been a few years ago, like right around that time frame, that all of a sudden it just all went away. Like there was supposed to be another tell-all book about Phil and because all his he put, he, he took the deal. Yeah, he took, he the, took deal, the deal. He paid people, and that book never came out. It shut everybody <clears throat> the fuck up. So yep. yeah, so Phil definitely. So he burned. He burned Billy Walters, uh, which and, you know, and countless other people. You know, he did. And, and and you know, listening to Billy talk about it, it it sounds like maybe Phil's testimony could have helped, but really, it sounds like they were were after him so hardcore, and they they were just not going to let go, and and. And they didn't let any of the evidence in to support Billy Walters into the court. So it was one of those deals where they, the court got to hear nothing. Well, and he got terrible advice from his fucking attorneys. Yeah. So all the everything lined up. I don't even know if Phil would have testified if it would have helped Billy Walters. But this doesn't change the fact yeah, that, yeah. That, that he burned it. He burned them, you know, on that. So, But yeah, I, I was, I'd always wondered, like, what happened to that Phil thing? <clears throat> it never came out. And all of a sudden, now he's with, he jumped off the PGA Tour. He took the money with Liv. I'm like... Okay, so this guy's just going to, whatever it was, I didn't know exactly what, I mean, I'd heard the gambling shit or whatever, you know, in the past, but I mean, so Barkley, Jordan, you hear a lot of yeah. fucking athletes gamble, whatever, whatever, I mean, you're rich, do what you want to do with your money. No, it was more than that. Oh, I know, but like, I didn't know what it was, and now it's all starting to come clear that, yeah, Phil was kind of deep into some shit, and he fucking burned a bunch of people and got his way out of it, because nobody wanted Phil Mickelson to go to prison. Did you listen to the whole thing? Oh, the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, it was it was really good. I I really that's that's why I love Joe Rogan's. I don't listen to every episode, but you know I, I click to see who he has on, and if it's somebody that you know I'm like, oh yeah, I want to hear that, <clears throat> then I'll listen to it. And you know there'll be there'll be three 
three hours, three, three hours and change sometimes. And that's really just the only thing. Thank God things like that have come along. You know, it's why it's why we do podcasts because you just get more out of these long form conversations and it's going to make the mainstream media and the media that we've, we've all known since TVs have been around obsolete. Just people don't want to hear that shit anymore. Like, like people talking real talk and not having five minute clips before you got to go to commercial and just, you're just getting sound bounce, sound bites after sound bites. That's not the way people want information anymore. They want long form conversation. And that, that talk with Billy, it was, um, that was, uh, he talked most of the time. Like, I mean, Joe Rogan, that's another good thing about Joe. He'll just sit back and he'll let someone go that, that, um, that has a story to tell and man, it was to, to spend 31 months in jail with criminals and um, and for insider trading and the way he explained it, it was, it was pretty clear that he he wasn't guilty of that. They just had a bone to pick with him. But uh, that was man, that's a whole nother world. That's, that's a you get into that that stock millions and millions you, when the SEC gets involved you're you're making big boy big boy moves and um he just barked at the wrong tree obviously yeah there was a couple of different points of the story that i mean obviously the you've covered the prison thing pretty good but just listen to his background and how he got started gambling it was like kind of funny to me he was talking about you know playing penny nine ball at the age of six and then like yeah. five dollar nine ball by the time he's 12 like um you know i remember my paul when you know, they came to this country, then his dad down at Three Rivers started a saloon. Um, and my Paul, by the age of 10, was playing 42 and eight ball for the house. So he was, he gambled. Yeah. Everybody gambled to try to beat my Paul, a 10 year old kid. So it's kind of funny that that kind of same. And my grandpa's always older. He's passed now. He's, he was older than Billy, but kind yeah. of the same small town, like, hey, this is what's, this is what's going on now kind of shit that you would never think was possible, you know? Um, and then the other thing too was, it kind of made me proud, but like he said, you know, he's talking about grading games and his, his deltas, like he doesn't even, if it's less than a point or a point or less, that's not a, you know, bettable game for him, which, you know, when we started out, you know, building our power rankings and stuff, I started off, it was half a point. I was like, well, that counts, blah, blah, blah. But now like pretty shortly into it, I was like, man, it's got to be more than a point for it to actually count. And so that's the way we've been doing it going, you know, for a while now. But to hear him come out and say, like, the godfather of that, like, and I didn't know that that was his system, but just, like, to hear him land there, like, oh, my God, that makes me feel so much fucking better that, you know, it just kind of naturally gravitated towards something that the godfather had done for all those years. Yeah, and I like that he says that, over a certain point, every every half point over that is another unit worth of bet that he makes. And I thought that his biggest bet ever was on that Super Bowl between Indianapolis and New Orleans Saints. That fucking line, I mean, that that was so long ago. That was before we were, you know, doing this professionally. Okay. So, like, that line was off by seven points, according to Billy, which, you know, I'm sure you would have had, you know, numbers that had it close to the same. Like, what, what do we do? That that would never happen now. Yeah. I don't think that could, I don't think that's ever going to happen anymore. There's too many people in this. It's too sharp now. But, like, can you imagine, like, like this last Super Bowl we had, <clears throat> I think your numbers kicked it out right around with what, what the number was supposed to be. What if, what if, what if it said, oh, uh, case, 
Casey's or let's say San Fran's supposed San to be San Fran's supposed to be ten point favorites. Yeah, or nine and a half. Yeah, like what the fuck, man? You we would have been forced to make the biggest bet ever and fucking lost. <laughs> lost. You know, and, and I can't remember. And he could have lost that, man. If you think about it, that Super Bowl. If, I can't remember if, that Super. Bowl. That's what I was going to ask you. What was the? How did that Super Bowl exactly? I know that New Orleans onside. That was the one they onside kicked to start the game, right? Yeah. Oh, start the second oh, the, half. They were, or second they, half. That's they right. They were losing, and Sean Payton onside oh, kick to start the second shit. half. If they fucking take that gamble and give Peyton Manning the ball on the fucking yeah. th- 35, 40 yard line, that's church, dude. And it's fucking seven points off, and he put. Four I think he said it was a four a million million dollars. God, I, yeah. I do like if we had four and a half million dollars riding on the game. First of all, there's no way I could watch that game. Oh, man, I, I, I couldn't watch it. You gotta at least watch the first quarter and see if it's like. I don't know if I could. That would be <laughs> that would be the worst and best Sunday of my life because it'd be the worst because all the anxiety. <laughs> But when it was over, and I know we just won four point five million, I'd be like, "Oh my god!" You gotta treat it like the like the Navy SEALs are talking about. Like you can't just sit around all day worrying about it. Like, oh my god, this is you can't just sit around. It's like you treat it like a Navy SEAL. You go fishing. You go. You go work out. You you do yeah, something. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have something else to do. And it's like, oh shit! At fucking at at. At 8.30, we got a mission. We go and check on the game. We're out at fucking 9.30. We're in and out, and we either fucking win or we lose, and we're done. You can't just sit around thinking about it. The thing about it is, like, I I started thinking about that, too. Like, yeah, I'd have to have something to do. I'm like, what the fuck else are you doing? Like, the Super Bowl doesn't kick off till 5.30. You got to just party. On a Sunday night. You party. You can't go to a Super Bowl party. Which is- yeah, you do. Not necessarily a Super Bowl party, but you have to be around people that are just going to be distracting you. You're just you're just talking. You're having conversations. Oh, dude, I don't know. If it's I gonna come in, up. I don't know but... if I could be in public. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, where there's nowhere to go. Every bar is gonna have the Super Bowl. Oh Any yeah. Any friend's house you go to is gonna have the Super Bowl. Like, it's a game that, like, if it was a regular Sunday, whatever, you go golf, whatever. There's no escaping the fucking Super Bowl. Like, no. You'd you'd almost have to be no. It's either you sit at home by yourself and read a book or play video games. Or I don't know what the fuck you do, but you got to do it for three and a half hours, and it doesn't even start till five fucking thirty. I know. Oh my god, dude! It's a long day. It's a long day. And I thought I was crazy, not crazy, but it was really interesting to me because you know, you and I both have listened to a lot of guys and take. You know, we're still we're always kind of like 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 he said, man. That was the other key point he said. You have to constantly fucking evolve in that game, and even the first. Even the first guys that he brought in, the first guy he brought in that was actually the original like algorithm writer for him, because he had an algorithm writer, and then he would judge, you know, what he thought, and then marry up with that guy's numbers, and then that's where they'd make their bets. Even that guy, and then the other three guys, he's turned them all over and over and over again because you have to constantly evolve your numbers and how you're looking and we've done the same thing we keep finding the edge yeah you have to constantly integrate yeah. different stats and different numbers and you have to constantly continue to mine and mine and mine through all this data that was a big thing that he said and then the other thing about um oh fuck where was, where was it i think it was somebody was it the super bowl i don't remember what I, what the other point was i was gonna make but the other thing i loved he said was he's like yeah, I got lucky on that one, or I, you know, got lucky, you know, and won. And Joe Rogan's like, "Well, 
you win like more than anybody else. Like you can't just say it's luck. And he's like, nah, I think every bet I win is lucky. Yeah. I think it's a great fucking attitude to have. And he said, people ask him, how have you been so successful at gambling? He's like, because I lost. Yeah. Every loss tells you, teaches you something. Like it yep. sucks, man, to lose. And it sucks to have a losing day. And it sucks to have a losing weekend for sure. It fucking blows. There's nothing worse. But at the same time, you know, you gotta, you have to treat that as teachable moments. Like, okay, where could, like he said, they dig back to the season. Okay, what could we have looked at that would have made a difference in the games that we missed on? Yeah. You know, is there something that would be more predictable going forward to keep us out of that fucking position? And it's a never ending dance, man. You're never gonna, there's no magic bullet that's gonna get you 100%. There's just, it's just constant fucking data mining and evolving. And that, to listen to that dude describe the grind from, again, like you said, probably the greatest to ever do it. And this dude is surrounding himself with people, teams. He said he spent $8 million on fucking no. research. I know. $8 million a year <clears throat> on fucking R&D. Like, oh, my God, dude. That's why That's why we had our best NFL record. I think we I think we did our best NFL season ever last year, right? That was our best percentage. Percentage percentage wise, yeah. I don't know if it's our most units, but definitely percentage wise. But yeah, percentage wise. Like that's that's you know, because we don't have eight million to spend on re R and D for so uh I had it, but I, what did I do with it? <laughs> so like yes, you know <laughs> uh, and obviously, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't know what we do, what our other gig is, we we uh we are football handicappers and we have a business that uh we sell we sell picks and 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 information on on games and he's the godfather and anything that was the other thing you just remind me so the other thing he said because there was a guy at work was asking about this like he's a big joe rogan fan he asked like hey who's this billy walters guy he's talking about Mm -hmm. football you know who this is i was like yeah i know who bill and that's who turned me on the fact that he was on there i says i don't really look at his feed and I was, you know, kind of explaining to him, I was like, I'm kind of shocked he's on there. But then after listening to it, he says it like, because I told him, he's like, well, he, does he sell picks? Like, no, dude. I said, like, Billy doesn't want anybody else to make any money no. but Billy. Yeah. Billy's never been a tout. He's never, that's not his gig. Billy is about Billy. But when he said it on the podcast, he wrote mm. that. He said, I wouldn't have written this book 10 years ago. He said, no chance. He's like, but now I'm 77. He's like, and this is my legacy, and I want to. He's like, I see all these new gamblers with all these new states being legalized, and they're just getting raped left and yeah. fucking right by the books. They have no. He's, he said, ninety nine percent of these people have no chance. He's like, so I just want to educate them for whatever I can. It's kind of why we started. Home. Yeah, exactly. It, at a smaller level, it's kind of like it's kind of like what, why we took this public. It's like, hey, like you're. This is very hard, <laughs> and like it's and the margins are so small. And uh, yeah, and he so, said the NFL is the hard, literally the hardest game to win on of all the sports. Yeah. That's what he said. So that's from a guy that's bet everything from fucking cockfighting to you fucking name it. That dude's bet on it. So yeah, so it's. But uh, I mean, like him for him to finally come out with that knowledge is like okay, mm-hmm. now that makes sense why he went on there because he's promoting this book and he is giving up all his Billy secrets at this point because he's slowed down. Like he said, he's you know he's not doing what he used to do. At his age, so it is nice that he's finally giving that back. But it's funny because I said that I was like, Psst. I was like, no, Billy's not selling. Billy. Like Billy don't want nobody to win, but Billy. Like Billy's mm-hmm. always been about like, anything I've ever read about that dude, and he's tried to keep it as private as he could. But 
eventually you're going to get famous when you're that fucking good at it and you run a whole fucking town and you've got all these people working underneath <clears throat> you and like the fucking story about the guys going to the airport and getting all the local newspapers. Oh man. Every airline that flies them from mm -hmm. every I mean just the fucking hustle. The sheer hustle. But it's still it, but then it's still a hustle now because now he's got a team of people that are or himself that are listening to all of the coaching post game pre game reports like the just the yeah so they wrote a they wrote a program that scrapes yeah data social scrape. media the data scrapes social media to get all these beat writers so it's so still like 140 beat yeah I mean, he still has a whole team doing all this work there's no doubt that the grind has never went out of his thought process but like he said at his age he's not you know really that invested into it anymore he just like he does it now because he still loves it <laughs> But not because he is addicted to it anymore or has to do it. Just just the sheer love of trying to beat the book, man. That, uh, and I think that's something that, honestly, for me, that will never go away. That the sheer joy of beating the book and and just doing the work and then coming that's out competition. Top, It's a competition. That, that will never, ever, ever go away. Like, and I, I will say this. Love. I will say this, like, because, because, like Billy said, and like we, like we all know, gambling is becoming sports gambling is becoming legalized, and and uh, it's in most of the states. It's going to be to all the states. Hopefully, in the next two, three, four years, there's going to be lots of people that get into sports gambling who do not know, don't know what they're doing. You have to, like we've told, like we told our our, um, you know, we do our football podcast. We we tell them all the time, use somebody. You need to use somebody. You would never just go in and bet on the stock market. And just just go wild in the stock market, just doing it randomly. Use somebody, whether it's reading books, you know, you want to use somebody like us. Use somebody because if you go into something like that, you know, because it's available on your phone now, your smartphone, you can just download DraftKings. It's legal in your state. You can dump whatever money you want into there. Be smart. Use somebody. Use professionals and um, and, and treat it with with the respect that that it that it deserves because. It's very hard for even the best people in the world to just scrape by. Now, obviously, the, there's different levels. Billy Walters is in; he's in the the millions level, so his his bets are much bigger. But you know, for most people that are starting, you're going to be at a very low level, so your margins are small, your winnings will be small. So treat it with respect and use somebody. I would say use us because you know we're we're. I mean, we're not we're not as famous as Billy Walters, but. I mean, I think we're I think we're funnier. Says you. <laughs> I think we're funnier. I, we're, so, def you know. we're definitely funnier. I listened to fucking two hours of that podcast. Like Jesus Christ, oh. these guys listen to paint dry. Right, and, then, and he the, the content kept me around, but like listen to him talk. Yeah. Like, oh my god. And that's not that's not what he does, but that is what we do. So so uh, go to the the football <laughs> go to the football glory old podcast and um, and uh, you can get that from the Revolution Network where you get this show. And uh, when football season rolls back around, get the winning with the entertainment, get the money and the funny, and uh, that's what we bring you. So uh, that's that's it for that's it for me. What do you got? I think that's it for me too. All right, guys, uh, that was it for the Bastards Babylon episode number forty six. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in next week, and uh, we'll have some more fun, and uh, we'll talk about hell. Who knows? I don't know anything. <laughs> we'll see you then.